Did you know that one in eight women actually struggle with infertility? That's huge. And when we're looking at the dream of building a family and having children to share our lives with, that's a pretty big deal. And so today I was so lucky to be able to talk to Monica Cox, who is brilliant beyond measure when it comes to fertility and the journey of it because she's gone through this process for herself. And so not only did this process bring out in her the ability to heal from within, but it allowed her to then take those learnings and share those with others who needed to hear the message as well. Having kids and building a family is something that you can't really put a price on and you can't really state or understate how important it is to a lot of us. And so I hope you join me on this special episode with Monica as we talk about how to increase fertility, how to really build that family and set yourself up for success with your body and your mind in order to thrive and be able to build that amazing family that you've always wanted. Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Hello, hello. Welcome, friends. I am so excited to be here with you today. I have a very, very special guest and It's really on a topic that's close and near and dear to my heart as well. And so Monica Cox is a top holistic functional fertility coach and infertility warrior using the combination of her qualifications as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and a psych K facilitator. She supports women in finding the root cause of their fertility issues to become the conscious mama they were born to be. She dealt with years of unexplained infertility, failed IVFs, and survived several miscarriages before becoming an IVF mom and getting pregnant naturally, even though the doctor said there was nothing she could do to improve her situation. Monica, I am so, so thrilled to have you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yes, my pleasure. So there's something special, I think a little bit more powerful when a business is born out of an experience and someone uses it as fuel to make the world a better place for others experiencing the same. And I think this really applies here, at least my exposure to your work. Can you share a bit of your story that led you here? Yeah. So (laughs) I knew zero about mindset and health and nutrition and all that. Um, I was just living life day to day. I didn't have any real health complaints. I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with my fertility. And um, when I was 27, we started trying to conceive and it just wasn't happening. And we did a round of IVF when I was 30. And that's when it exposed that I had low A quality. And that's when the doctors told me, well, there's nothing you can do. Just keep trying IVF. And for whatever reason, that just didn't feel right to us. And uh, we just went and started making small changes 
some drastic, I suppose, in other people's eyes. And we started seeing results, not necessarily getting pregnant right away, but amazing health results that I didn't even know needed to be improved. We started getting better embryo quality through medical treatment. We finally discovered the root cause, which was high natural killer cells, which everyone has natural killer cells. But when there's a lot of inflammation going on in your body, they start overreacting and attacking your body in different ways. And, you know, just as we went on, we got results. We finally had a baby. And then, yeah, two months after my second miscarriage from medical treatment, I got pregnant naturally. And that's when the light bulb went off of like, okay, this wasn't an easy journey. um, And it's not fun to change up a bunch of, you know, things in your (laughs) life. Um, But it's doable. And it could have saved me I mean, at least seven years, it could have saved me $50,000. It could have saved me a lot of heartache. And obviously, I was neck deep in health and nutrition and all that stuff. So I decided instead of working with children, because that's what I did for 20 years, that I was going to move into women dealing with fertility issues. And then that was going to be my way to support those children to improve their well-being and you know, it was going to be an easier task because I was going to help create conscious mamas and they mm. were just going to move into parenthood a lot easier and more graceful than, you know, I had <laughs> my road. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's how Finding Fertility was born, really. And it's definitely my third baby, 100%. Mm. And once again, it's another learning and growing (laughs) experience. Um, But yeah, I'm super happy that I finally feel complete in knowing what my time here on earth is about. And I feel like for someone who felt lost for a really, really long time, especially during infertility, that's like so satisfying. Totally. I think that that sense of purpose, it's interesting that you describe the business as your third baby. And it's true. I think a lot of us owning businesses, Mm. especially if you've had children and you've owned a business, those are probably two of the hardest things that you could ever do in your life. Absolutely. When you have that, you have that conviction because it's such a personal experience. It's not like you saw a gap necessarily and was like, I'm going to fill that gap. It's like, holy crap, this happened to me. I don't want anyone to go through this again, you know, as much as I can front load. And so that's such a beautiful story because there's just so much meaning in that journey. So I love that. So special. Yeah. It's really funny that you say fill the gap because I guess that's like what I and other people did. But to be honest, it was like we didn't have that support and we Mm. our journeys were so much longer than they needed to be because no one was piecing the things that we had to piece together ourselves. So we really did fill the gap and like invent (laughs) this like um, genre of people who are now fertility health coaches or even like IVF coaches because we saw the importance that was needed out there. Totally. And you, I think I should, I guess I should clarify, you filled the gap, but you did it from a, like a heart space. It wasn't just like, there's a business opportunity. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. It's like, 
this has real meaning and I have real experience to back it up. And so there's something just really, yeah, something really purpose-driven, mission-driven, meaningful about that. So I love that. You shared that, I wanted to just make a note, I love that you talked about kind of your original plan of supporting children and how you kind of, like you backed it up a few steps and you're like, at that core a lot earlier, which is so mm-hmm. impactful for the family. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I worked in early education for 20 years. And when I started learning about health and nutrition, you know, special needs was my specialty and I absolutely loved it. And it was oh. like, how can we improve these children's lives through diet and lifestyle and awareness and consciousness, you know, just make them a better version of themselves, right? Not change them or anything like that. Um, And not even like necessarily bring them more into society, just allow them to thrive as who they are. And ironically, it was like, I don't want to work with parents anymore. (laughs) This is like, it's really hard to not convince, but inspire someone that they have control. Small things can lead to, you know, big results if you change things up. So when you're telling a parent who maybe has some, a child with, any kind of like difficulty, whether it be a a neurological or a food or a gut issue, like, hey, let's try to like change up the diet. It's so hard for them. And it's really hard to get them into the space of like, this would not only change my kid's life, but it would change my life too. Mm. And sometimes you have to have inconvenience to have a better life. And it's really hard to switch your head like, okay, this sucks, Mm -hmm. but you know what also sucks? Dealing with my kids' behavioral issues, dealing with like, you know, loose stools all the time, dealing, you know, like whatever it is. And when it comes to a fertility journey, I always say, what sucks more? Dealing with infertility month after month after month or like being able to look at your situation and go, okay, I'm going to take control and control the things that I can, which... I would say almost like 90% of things that contribute to fertility issues is in your control. That's amazing. That's so funny. We actually have the same background. <laughs> I just say the working in human services and special and working with anyone with a special need or disability. But that aside, so tell me what was going through your brain then when the doctors told you you just have to keep going round after round of IVF. Like, was there some kind of, was it you had the knowledge and you had an inkling that that what you knew was going to contribute to a greater sense of well-being that would put you in a better position for fertility? Or was it like defiance? Like what was going through your brain when you were like, "Mm, I'm doing it anyway. I'm figuring this out myself. Yeah, zero knowledge, like none. (laughs) (laughs) Like negative almost, right? In hindsight, it was definitely some kind of higher force, whether that be spirit, universe, God, whatever you want to label it. I personally feel it's one of my guides. They were just so present in that room. And I didn't know that, right? They didn't have any of this knowledge either. But they were just like, that's BS. Do not listen to that. Don't Mm. listen to it. And my husband was on the same page too. He's like, this just doesn't make sense. Why would you keep doing something that didn't work in the first place and like hope it works? Like, no, that doesn't make sense. 
And then luckily, one of our friends, he was on his own health journey for other reasons. And we were living in the United Kingdom at the time, sitting in Hyde Park. And he's like, just change your diet. And we're like, there's nothing wrong with our diet. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? We're both healthy. Don't we're not overweight. <laughs> yeah, we're like, and he's like, no, seriously. And he was so serious. He's like, I'll pay for you to see a functional medicine practitioner. And we're like, okay, really? we're not going to take your money. It's a good friend. But we're going to take your advice, right? Yeah, amazing mm-hmm. friend. And he's still part of our lives today. And yeah, it was my personal story, it was mostly the food and the gut health. And obviously, you put food in your gut. So your food is like Mm -hmm. one of the most important things to heal your gut. There was obviously like mental and emotional and stress issues being type A that really contributed as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I say that I saw results in my normal and common health issues within a month of changing my diet, it was that dramatic. And the reason it didn't quote unquote work for me is that I didn't realize I had a silent autoimmune issue and that my gut health was really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, It just took a little bit longer for my gut to heal. And I was eating foods that I was still intolerant to that were healthy. So like tomatoes, paprikas, aubergines, like the nightshades were a big issue and still are for me today. So I just didn't have the guy that I worked with was amazing and his knowledge was amazing. But for whatever reason, it wasn't getting pieced together with fertility and gut issues. Mm-hmm. I think it was the time, you know, this is like 10 years ago. And so a lot of people weren't talking about it and almost like the inexperience of working with like fertility. I don't think that was his forte. So when we talk about, you know, connecting with someone to help you piece anything together, like you said in the beginning, getting someone who has that personal experience and then has the education as well is like a match made in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are just going to get a level of support that kind of no doctor out there unless they personally went through infertility, which I must say, I think every woman who deals with IVF should go through a round of IVF just to see how it feels mentally, emotionally, and physically so they are better to able to care for their patients more. Um, I know men can't go through it, unfortunately. (laughs) I wish they could go through like another regime, but I feel like that's the biggest thing lacking in our care right now in the fertility space is that these doctors just don't get it. They, mm. they just think you can go again and again and again. And I have, you know, clients always on my doorstep, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I've just finished like five rounds of IVF in like a year. Oh, my God. And I'm like, what? Like, well, how is this even legal? <laughs> like, this is crazy. Just pumping people through a system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Oh, my goodness. So. I want to talk about the physical and emotional because I know you had talked about it just briefly there for a second because I think those are two huge pieces. But because they're both big parts of the journey, for the physical, because we've talked about it a little bit, what are the common elements that negatively affect our fertility? And you've kind of alluded to like diet being a huge one. Is there anything else that you've seen or is it like diet all the way? No, I mean, diet's a big one because I literally keeps us alive right and everyone's doing it and our food system is been 
completely hijacked by scientists who know how to make them irresistible, right? Mm-hmm. Even these quote unquote healthy foods now, people are getting duped into thinking like, oh, but it's organic and oh, it's gluten free. It's totally fine. And they don't realize that there's these rancid oils in them. And it's fine to have them in moderation, right? But like who eats in, in moderation nowadays? I don't even eat in moderation nowadays, right? Like it's a hard thing to do. It is. And they do. They make it scientifically. Oh, yeah. They, literally the genetic makeup of the food that we're eating is designed to keep us eating, coming back yeah. for more, right? Absolutely. Especially the highly processed stuff. Yeah. I would say like the more organic stuff, it's harder to do that because they they can't use the chemicals. Yeah, definitely. It's it's insane. But there's obviously chemicals. So there's a lot of chemicals in your house, in your body products, your makeup, your car. There's mm-hmm. things that you can control and you can't control. So it's really just taking control of the ones that you can at mm. a slow pace. Because when you first start this, it can be really overwhelming. So it's really just like a trial and error too. But I would say nowadays, the products with less toxins in them are much better than they used to be and much more available. So it is doable. So those are like your two main ones on quote unquote, the physical side, like the tangible stuff, right? right? That you are doing. Exercise can be thrown in there. We have been hard sold that hardcore exercise is the best thing invented for us. And it that's what makes us healthy. But what people don't realize is that you when you do a lot of hardcore exercise, you're overworking your adrenals. And mm. most people are in adrenal fatigue anyways. So it's actually like slowing down you need movement in your life absolutely but you know training really hard is probably one of the worst things you can do for overall general health if you are having quote-unquote health issues this Mm. is why you see like top women athletes lose their periods is because their hormones go wonky so that's like a myth trying to get people out of that so those are like the top three physical things The confusing thing for people is that when you get to the mental and emotional side is that long-term mental and emotional health at a kind of lower level becomes physical. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. stress, you wouldn't necessarily put that into the physical realm because you can't see stress. You can't like necessarily do stress, Um, even though we do stress out all the time. But being type A, always on the go, over worrying, having any kind of trauma in your past life. And that can be, you know, a quote unquote big trauma or just under the line, normal everyday trauma that we all go through. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's getting talked about a lot more how it like store it stays in your body. Your body keeps score. So when it comes to fertility issues, what people haven't been taught is that it's a, almost like a long-term quiet creep up to infertility, right? You're not born with it. It's the way you've been living and eating in your lifestyle throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And maybe you've had bigger warning signs than people. Um, maybe you've had none. And then it's not really until you start trying to conceive and you start having issues that you're like, oh, I have fertility issues. It's like, well, they didn't just right. magically appear the moment you 
started trying to conceive. You're kind um, of unraveling years of buildup. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then on top of that, your fertility doesn't work on its own. You know, your pituitary, your penile, your hypothalamus, all in your brain, your thyroid, your adrenals, your liver, your gallbladder, and your gut, you know, amongst other little things, control your fertility. They are the ones in control, right? So it's all up here and it's a downstream. And when things upstream are overworked, overtaxed, downstream is going to look a little dry. And the fact of the matter is you don't need your fertility to survive. So if your body's in survival mode, it's going to be one of the first things that shuts down. It's like, I don't need, I'm just trying to keep you alive. I'm trying to keep your liver functioning because we need that to detox. I'm trying to keep your gut health regenerating because we need that to, you know, get nutrients and energy. I mean, that's like the core. All of my other organs up here, you're taxing me. I'm overstressed. I can't do it. Your endocrine system starts to break down. And then when the high inflammation happens, that's where you see low egg quality, a lot of miscarriage issues, because your egg is one of the biggest cells in your body. And you're, it's all due to cellular health. So if your cellular health in other areas that you can see on a day-to-day is not great, it's highly likely that your egg, your bi- one of your biggest cells, is going to be pretty low. Oh, my goodness. Um, this is so interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's all about looking at your normal and common health issues and looking upstream. So gaining awareness, where do you need to focus the most? Is it your adrenals, your liver, your gut, your mental and emotional health, your diet? Sometimes it's a lot. It's like a lot of them, but then that's my job, right? To help you pinpoint exactly where you need to be looking. Um, Because I get a lot of women coming to me and they're like, oh, well, it's going to be an easy fix because I'm on all these supplements and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I'm like, you're not focusing on the right area. You're focusing on this like sensationalized, this is what you do for fertility. We don't fix fertility. We help restore the other areas in your body that is actually controlling your fertility. So it's it's a very big balance of mental and emotional. It's very rare that I get a client that is just physical, right? right? So I've had one, I've just signed on another one that I am pretty sure is just physical. There's always little little bits of mental and emotional, but most of my clients is the mental and emotional side that is causing or contributing at least to fertility issues. That's crazy, but it makes so much sense, especially for women. Like we're, especially if you're type A and you're a woman, you're already running a million thoughts a second all the time and especially if you're type a and you're trying to do everything and just you know the stress and the worry and the trauma that we store inside our bodies and it makes so much sense it's like poison coming down the stream Mm -hmm. when you're talking about the core areas and so what i'm hearing you say is that when it comes to the physical we've got diet as a huge contributor and then what we put on it in our bodies really like the makeup the cleaning products things like that And then as far as looking at the mental and emotional side, I was thinking more about the mental and emotional side as a greater piece of this after you're going through this journey and you're going through the struggle and you're feeling strained and you're trying to do everything, you know, perfectly to, you know, have the right supplement and have sex at the right time in the right position. You know what I mean? You're going through all this and that's the mental and emotional that I was imagining, but it's really 
the mental and emotional of the everyday that's yeah. creating that root cause. And that makes yeah. so much sense that it's what you see consistently with almost everybody. <laughs> yeah. And the fertility is just another layer right. of the mental and emotional stress, right? right? So, and it's really, it's because you've been conditioned or it's the way you've lived to deal with hard times, Yeah, right? That you need to control it. And so the perfectionism and the doing, and that's why a lot of people go to medical treatment and keep doing these medical treatments because they feel like they're doing something towards the fertility issues. Right. Right. Where if you take a step, it's not addressing the root cause. And so unfortunately, a part of my job now is to actually undo the fertility treatment and the mental and emotional stress that's happened in those few years first. And then we tackle what actually contributed to the fertility issues in the first place. Right. So you're, this is way beyond just, here's a list of things that you need. Oh, to, yeah. Like this is, this <laughs> is mental. That's another thing too. I talked about, you know, raising children and having a business and reprogramming your brain. Like that's, that's probably number three of challenging things, but a hundred percent worth it. I mean, that's been a huge yeah. part of my journey. So many things going through my head right now. When it comes to you having, you know, when you're working with a new client, how do you like, are you talking to uncovering them on a personal level and looking at which are the pieces? Because you said like every client's different. There's some that are just purely physical. What's the conversation when you're, and you obviously there's tons of work that you would do together, but how does somebody start uncovering what it is that's their trigger points or their root issues? Yeah, well, when I start a discovery call, because that's kind of the only way you can get in to work with me, is I ask you about your trying to conceive journey so I can kind of see where you are mentally and emotionally now. Like, you know, is this lots of miscarriages, lots of failed IVFs, just getting started? So we can kind of touch base there. And then I kind of just open up the conversation to what they want to say, because usually it is the subconscious mind that's going to blurt out something that makes no sense in relation to fertility, but that's where you need to start. So like one conversation, you know, like what's stressing you out other than fertility right now, right? And this woman said, all the clutter in my house is like mm. just stressing me out. And I'm like, okay, let's start there. And she's like, well, what do you mean? That has nothing to do with my fertility. I was like, has everything to do with your fertility, right? If you're living in this stressful situation with all this clutter, what do you think your insides are doing? You know, it's mm. all stress. Your cortisol is going to be through the roof. So how can we start clearing that space? And it's almost like a metaphor, but like really happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's diving into those areas of your life that you wouldn't think is, has any relation to it, right? Mm -hmm. The overdoing, the trying to be perfect, the slowing down, the surrendering. It's, you know, I had a conversation just the other day of like, okay, well, I need to be pregnant by this time. So yeah. this, this, and this needs to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I just because I'm honest with everyone, right? Because 
There's no reason to beat around the bush. My job is to get you to where you want to go in the quickest way possible. Sometimes that is slowing down and surrendering, but that's being truthful with you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what would it look like if you just took away the expectations that you literally made up? (laughs) I know, right? right? Like, I know they're false. Yeah. And, you know, she was just barely 30. And she's like, I, I always thought I would have a big family. And now that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, why? I know. Oh, my god. That's like just a false narrative that you put into your. Yeah. Ourselves. So yeah. it's really just having an honest and open conversation. And sometimes that's hard for people. And I get it. I know that if my approach came to me at 27, I would have told her to F off. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I like, often think I would have punched myself in the face if I had yeah, any advice. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Got to be in yeah. the right mental space to be able to absorb it. Basically, what I say to people is you have to be tired of your own BS to be open to receive, right? right. It's not that, yes. you know, like, there's a lot of spiritual BS out there and like, oh, you're not ready or in, you know, like whatever. It's like, listen, you walk your own path until you look back and you realize that it was BS and that it's not working mm-hmm. and you're ready and willing to do the things that will get you there and what ready and willing for that help. Right. So it's just having really open and honest conversations. I ask questions if, the, you know, and just go off what that person is saying And we usually go down this like little rabbit hole and we land somewhere that we can start tackling. Sometimes it's super obvious, you know, if they're like, oh, I have this gut issue and that gut issue. I'm like, well, have you been tested for SIBO? Have you done some intolerances? Have you done this? They're like, no. It's like, okay, well, that is like literally the first place we're going, right? It doesn't, that was my story. It wasn't, it didn't matter how many mental and emotional stuff I did, affirmations, meditations, yoga, I had to heal my gut. Right. You know, we're all physical beings on a physical earth. We have to play the physical game. And I do believe that the like spiritual side, the mental and emotional side is part of that game because mm-hmm. you're living in a meat suit. Right? Yeah, like you got I to love that. I know. <laughs> that's, oh, my God. That's too funny. You know, have you ever you've got children now? Have you yeah. ever seen the Disney movie Strange World? It's like a new one. No, uh-uh. You'll have to check it out. It's because it's kind of reminding me of this conversation, but it's it's all about restoring ecosystem. Okay. And this is kind of what it is at its core is restoring ecosystem so that the rest yeah. can flourish, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So for the emotional, because there's the emotional that is kind of that poison down the river that I was just mentioning. But you're kind of caught in this trap. If you're trying to have kids and you have this trauma that you are experiencing and there was something on your socials that really struck me. And this is about the mental and emotional as you're going through this journey. And it really struck me because it was kind of the whole read between the lines concept of what we say. And what we share. And I'll just read it really quickly if that's okay. And I just want to dig into it for a second. So the quote for everyone listening is a text message to a friend. And it says, 
hi, sorry, it's taken me so long to text you back. You know how life gets. Hope you're having an amazing summer and a great time on holiday with your family. Looking forward to seeing you all soon. Text me when you're back from the fun in the sun. With the image, and if you could see the graphic, and maybe I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, it's got basically an insert of text of like what this person wants to say, but they're not saying. And it says, hi, sorry, it's taken me so long to text you back. It's now been three years of negative pregnancy tests and a few miscarriages. I'm completely drained from it all. You know how life gets. I don't really want to talk about it. As I know, you have your own issues and your best advice last time was just relax. Hope you're having an amazing summer and a great time on holiday with your family. We're now talking about doing IVF and stressing out about how we're going to pay for it all. We wonder all the time if it's even going to work as doctors don't even know why I'm having trouble staying pregnant. Fertility has become all-consuming, and I fight every day to keep it all together. Looking forward to seeing you all soon. Text me back when you're back from the fun in the sun. This is something because I, you know, this has been a private conversation that I've had with peers and people in my life, and the the mental and emotional going through this journey, it's just so overwhelming I think and to go it alone without being able to like internalizing that mm -hmm. extra pieces that you want to share that's a really tough and lonely place to be and I'm sure you've had this conversation with some of your clients because they probably experienced this what can somebody do when they feel like sending this message but they don't they just don't have a place to be open and honest with how they're feeling yeah I mean a lot of women you know, like hidden accounts or like non-identity accounts and just like express their emotions that way. I think getting into a chat group, whether it be on Facebook or into a paid community, like I have a paid community and to be able to get in and express these emotions is like just core, right? Finding yeah. someone you can talk about with this stuff is so important. What I would say, though, is that I know there's a large part of this community that is still stuck in victim mode. Mm -hmm. Which would be so super you, easy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the easy way out. Absolutely. And valid at times. I'm not saying don't ever go there. <laughs> no, but, but it's just like an automatic go. Yeah. Yeah. So just make sure that when you maybe have found a space to express that these emotions, that they're not getting exacerbated, right? And super highlighted. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is the joy drains out of your life when you get stuck in these emotions and you hyper-focus on everything to do with fertility. And I know I was there for like four or five years. Yeah. Um, I did not really switch my whole kind of mental and emotional health until after I got pregnant for the first time. And then I, I miscarried that one. So my first pregnancy was my first miscarriage. It wasn't until then that I was in this space of gratitude and mm -hmm. I had no reason to be in gratitude, like zero. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're talking almost five years of failed, like never seeing a positive pregnancy test, not even knowing if it was possible, two failed IVFs, just getting this diagnosis. And 
I just made a decision that the way that I was speaking and feeling about my journey wasn't working. Mm. And now I have the science to pack it up. And now I have the knowledge to know why that wasn't working. Because a very simple example is I always said, if I get pregnant. Mm. And so your subconscious mind is primed to prove you right. Yeah. So it just was like, if, well, if, who cares? So the moment I started saying when I get pregnant is when the journey started to really shift dramatically. And even the way I felt and moved through my journey, even though it took me another few years to have my first child, it was so much better. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was weird. I was still going through the same stuff. I was still having fertility issues, but I wasn't in this negative space anymore. Yeah. And it just made it easier to move through the journey. And then it just got so much better. You know, like every step I started achieving things that I didn't know that I needed to achieve. And then the pregnancy came and then the baby came. And this doesn't guarantee you a happy ever after, you know, our third and final frozen embryo transfer when we had everything in place, the diet, the lifestyle, the two healthy embryos, the immune suppressing drugs, and I still miscarried. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it, it guarantees you this like blissful, everything's going to be rainbows and sunshine. But I can tell you after that miscarriage, I took the time to grieve the eight years that it officially ended, right? That was it. I was not going to do any medical treatment anymore. I had my baby. I was happy. I was going to move on. I took that time to like grieve and the the loss, you know, I had twins. So the loss of that, but because I had built up this practice, I just didn't stay there long. And I just saw and was so grateful for everything around me. And that just helped contribute to having my second son. And I know it's really bittersweet, but I know that my second son was supposed to be here, mm-hmm. right? Like, I know the twins weren't meant for me. And I, it's like hard to say that when someone's in the thick of it. But just trust the process that when you look back, you'll kind of understand if you choose to make your journey that way, right? It's always a choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's funny. I actually just had another podcast episode. I think it was last week go live. And it was talking about overwhelm and how you don't think that some things are a choice, but the way you approach life. And when we talk about this gratitude, and it's really radical gratitude that you have to show up to life for. And it does shift something. I know, like you said, it doesn't guarantee you a happy ever after, but it does shift something in you and the way that you move through life and that 100% changes things it does it just changes the way you carry yourself things you do the attitude you have everything so that makes so much sense so absolutely and that's another thing is you know that's kind of one of the mental pieces is practicing that radical gratitude yeah that was my first journal that I wrote it's called baby and me and it's all about finding the joy in the now And that's, I know, incredibly hard to do when you feel like the baby's the only thing that can bring you joy. But get to get back into a spiritual aspect of it, I always tell my clients and my community, think of your baby as that little spirit waiting for you. Mm -hmm. 
then they're just sitting up there. They're watching you. They see what's going on. Be honest with yourself. If they came into your lap right now, would they be overjoyed to have the mom that you're being right now? Mm. And the hard truth is, is that the baby isn't going to get rid of the kind of fertility struggles, right? stress, right? Yeah. But like we said in the beginning, there's a lot of other stress and mental and emotional issues that that baby's not going to get rid of. In all actuality, that baby is going to highlight and <laughs> really like stirs. Yes. <laughs> Gosh, and yeah. I learned that lesson the hard way because yeah. my mental and emotional journey and my subconscious journey actually came from entrepreneurship. It didn't come from my fertility journey. Mm -hmm. um, even though it started there, it didn't really blossom. And it was because of my children that it mm -hmm. actually blossomed even more. Mm -hmm. And my second son being the spit of me and my family, he really dialed up some internal stuff that I didn't even know that was there. I mean, yeah. it's obvious now, but until you're conscious of it, you don't know. So that's what I really try to you know, get that point across is that just trust me, infertility does not save you from the hardships of parenthood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything comes with its pros and cons for sure. Mm -hmm. And if, but if that's something that's important to you, it's nice to feel hope that there are things that you can actually do. Yeah. To kind of take the power back for yourself. Yeah. Hope is the driver of change, mm -hmm. right? If you didn't have hope, why would you change anything? Why would no. you get out of bed? Yeah. So hope is incredibly important to hold on to. And you got to look for those little things to hold on to hope for, right? Mm -hmm. You talked about, before we were recording, we were talking about a little bit the, just the intuition piece. And I know we talked about it a little bit when I was asking you what was going through your head when that doctor said, you know, this is it for you. Just keep trying. What is it that people going through this journey, how is it that they need to kind of develop a relationship with their intuition in order to move through this as gracefully as possible? Yeah, it's key. It's like hands down the most important thing to do because you know, you literally have all the answers inside of you. If you tune in, slow down, and are able to listen, um, your body will tell you. So yeah, the intuition was very strong, and I didn't know that it was there and didn't know how to listen to it. But it, with hindsight, every time I didn't listen, it caused a lot of heartache, a lot of extra money. Um, I went to a specific clinic to get this immune testing because I intuitively knew that there was something going on there. And they talked me out of it because I wasn't having reoccurring miscarriages. Hmm. They're like, you're not a candidate for that testing. Don't get it. And we moved through a whole nother round of IVF without it. Obviously, it failed. And then when we demanded the testing after that, there it was. That was our answer. I had high natural killer cells. And so that's a big part of the coaching and the message is that if you can get rid of all the external factors that we've been taught to hyper-focus on and get back into your body and listen, 
it will give you the right answer 100% of the time. Mm. And this just comes with practice because it's not only tuning in and listening to you, but it's having that inner strength to that the experts are just wrong in your case. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, that's just what it is. They're giving you their opinion. It's mm-hmm. Every almost diagnosis is an opinion that's correlated from different factors, right? Some testing, some maybe symptoms, all that. And they're doing the best that they can. But if it doesn't feel right to you, mm-hmm. it's probably not right for you. Yeah. This is, I think that we underestimate because we look at the the doctors or whoever we're talking to and we're like, they're the expert. They know based on all the things that you just shared, the, you know, the research, the schooling, what testing, whatever. And I remember an instance and it wasn't to do with fertility, but it was kind of to do with health where the doctors were telling me something and I was like, no, this is not, I don't care what you say. This is not right. And I remember taking action on that because thank God I was able to kind of trust my intuition at that time. And I saved myself a lot of heartache and a surgery and, you know, like a lot of stuff that our bodies are so powerful. And I think it is, I think we've just kind of conditioned ourselves not to even really know how to tune in and listen like we tell ourselves that story we don't know how yeah it wasn't society i mean it's always been there you know the terms the gut feeling yeah always known but we've definitely grown up in a society over the last like i don't know five six seven decades that um, has taken that power away, for, especially from the woman, mm-hmm. whether it's society, religion, governments, medical doctors, you know, our power has just been taken away. And f- for a long time, like I felt powerless and like, well, it wasn't my job, right? That's your job. You're supposed to fix me. I think a lot of people look at IVF like, well, IVF is supposed to work. Right. right. Like IVF is supposed to fix my problems and IVF can't do that. No medical treatment can do that. It can assist you to get to a certain place, but it's still your job. Your body is still has to grow that egg. It still has to nurture that egg. It still has to produce that egg. And I think it's been a big combination of many different factors that our power has been taken away And it's scary to now be the one in control. Mm, Because its ownership is on you. It's so much easier to say, you're the doctor. It's your fault. I'm not getting. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's that radical self-realization that is one of the hardest things to do because you have to be truly honest with your emotions. You know, moving into the subconscious work that I do now, just my own experiences, like something will happen and I'll get this emotion, like let's just say jealousy. And instead of playing the game of like, well, I'm entitled to this because of A, B, and C, I'm like, why am I jealous? Hmm. Because I don't want to be jealous. I want to be like envious and be happy towards what they have and strive to get to what they want. But I don't want to be jealous and bitter about their situation. So I got to look inside. What's Mm -hmm. going on that's bringing this up for me? 
and then it's usually like this rabbit hole <laughs> and then yeah. you let it go and you do realize that you didn't necessarily ask for this journey right mm. but i personally believe that people who are dealing with fertility issues have been given a certain amount of time to sort their stuff out to become the conscious mamas that we need on this planet now mm. you know we are shifting into a new reality on all certain types of different levels our kids are dealing with things that we never dreamt were possible right mm -hmm. and yeah. how can we consciously help them out because we're not going to live through the same experiences but yeah i just think it's incredibly important to now start teaching our children about this inner wisdom mm -hmm. and that you know even in schools right like you know my kid came back one day and he was like the teacher doesn't allow so and so to cry I was like, oh, it's like, how does that make you feel? It's like, it makes me feel sad and I want to cry for him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh my God, you yeah. know, like, it's this different generation. It's a very like, emotional, yeah. intelligent generation. Yeah. And I want to foster that. Same. And I can't foster that unless I deal with my own BS because I was taught emotions were not welcome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Leave that at the door. Yeah. And, that caused a lot of issues. And I absolutely know that way of bringing up children helped contribute to my health issues and yeah. my fertility issues, for sure. So um, this really is a process of, you know, we're talking about, it's really an uncovering, a becoming almost. Mm -hmm. It's that not only the physical ecosystem, but it's a becoming of really the next iteration of yourself or the next level of yourself in order to be able to support that next generation. Yeah. And um, the statistics are out there. You know, our children are so much more unhealthy every generation, mm -hmm. you know, from the 70s onwards. And I think us 80 babies were kind of like the catalyst of like, I was infertile at 17, hands down. Yeah. I had all my autoimmune issues silent that were just common normal health issues. I wasn't the, I never was on the pill. I wasn't using protection. There was no way I was that lucky. Yeah. <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> I know. So, and now we're seeing young girls with, you know, a, my mom's friend's uh, granddaughter got her period at eight, nine years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're seeing major, major issues. And I talk about a lot about like the fertility line. And this line isn't perfection and it isn't a sign of health. And a lot of us are hovering here, mm. right? Our mm -hmm. ancestors were way up here. They never had to think about fertility. They had really good genetics, really good cellular health, the way it should be. And through the generations, we've just come, come, come down. So the more we come down, the more our next generation is you know, likely to have more issues because we're still eating and living mm -hmm. and stressing and all that way. And so when you're dealing with fertility issues, you're like I was down here. I was off right. the Richter scale. <laughs> the good news is it's all due to cellular health. And so you can bring that up. But what I say to my clients now or even potential clients, I'm, look, you're here. But I almost guarantee the risks of having 
pregnancy issues, postpartum issues, your baby having some health issues, they're going up, mm-hmm. right? Nothing set in stone. You know, I'm not saying like if you act this way, you get this. That's not what I'm saying. But the studies are out there. Epigenetics is out there. You, no one can deny this now. Yeah. And um, I have two healthy kids. I was very lucky that I got to sort my stuff out. Being a parent is still hard. Totally. You add on any sort of like complication, even if that's like a nut allergy or food sensitivities or sleep issues, you know, like just more of the common ones, a colic baby, Mm -hmm. like is hard. Mm -hmm. And so if you can do things that can reduce those risks for you as a mother and and for your children, why wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. This was so good. Okay. Cellular health and epigenetics. (laughs) That's like a whole other conversation. So many things to talk about. But I know we are going to wrap up here. So where can people find you, follow you, get your work? Because it's incredible. And I think everything we've talked about makes so much sense. Yeah. So I'm finding fertility everywhere on Instagram, TikTok, my website, my podcast. And yeah, we just like get to the core of what's going on and have some hard conversations. And we get women, you know, pregnant. But most importantly to me, I feel like that's the cherry on top. We get you to start thinking in a conscious way about your future and your children's future. That's so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and all these golden nuggets today. I really appreciate your time here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.